Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm John Taylor. You're listening to the Attacking Scrum podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Welcome to part two of the Attacking Scrum podcast of what is uh, episode 25, I believe. Probably should have had a little look at that uh, instead of going for a quick toilet break. But nonetheless, we find ourselves at part two this week. Now, part two is always what we call heads up which is a look at the news from from Wales this week. And it's been dominated pretty much by the Dragons' takeover. So it looks very much, well, in fact, by the time this goes to air, it'll be confirmed that the RIU will take over, will take over the Dragons. And that's going uh, to cause quite a bit of upheaval. Uh, from Grant to be Yeah. Newport... Uh... Shareholders. Which will be done, I'm sure, by the time this by the time this comes out. But that leads into I don't know, I guess a, a huge amount of uncertainty. Looks as though a name change is on the cards as well. So I'm gonna start with you, Dan. Do you think that's gonna make a uh, is that gonna make a difference to the Dragons fortunes? The name change? Yeah, let's start with that. That's gonna be the Dragons, isn't it? Mm. That's, yeah, that's no, the, I know that's that's, that's fantastic. That's, <laughs> that's the name change. Um I don't, think, I don't think the name will have, a, will have that much of an impact, but this is it's big news. Um, it's probably the start of something bigger, isn't it? WRU getting getting full control over all the uh, all the regions eventually. Do you, do you think it's going to spread to uh, to all the regions? Eventually, yeah, yeah. What makes you What makes you say that? Um, is it a finance led thing? You know, is it simply unsustainable? I've seen Scarlets have a you know made a half a million I think half it's, a million yeah, it's more unsustainable debt than the, way, the way it's going at the moment, unless there's Major, major changes, and I don't think that we've got we, we're able to get get ourselves out of this. To be honest, Dav, uh, Dav's probably got a few comments on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Dav, you're pretty clued up on uh, on numbers wise. You want to kind of enlighten us a little bit in terms of in terms of the the revenue gap, I guess, between England and Wales, and and what that means for the pro clubs. Yeah, I think you know when we we look at it, we're always complaining, and we always want the handouts from the WRU. And yes, you know the WRU actually. Is in a fantastic place right now. You know, they give twenty million pounds away every year to the regions. Um, 
you know, over 30 away to the, the game in Wales. So actually, you know, a healthy WIU is good for the game. Yeah. But obviously, that alone is not going to save the regions. And I think, you know, if you look at the business models operated in England and France, France, they have a huge number of benefactors who can just seemingly give money away without a care in the world. And the guy at Toulon probably is the best example of that yeah. billionaire cartoonist. But, you know, you think about a club like Leicester, you know, they've been a bit of turmoil this season. But actually, over the last 20 years, they've been arguably one of England's most successful clubs. They run at a profit every year of about 500 grand. And look how they do that. Well, they spend 10 million quid on wages, like every other club in the Premiership yeah. does officially, because that is the salary cap. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, they have in multiple revenue streams that allow them to make, to make profit. And so obviously they do get money off the TV deal. But, you know, they make six million quid off tickets. They have 14,000 season ticket holders. You know, the Blues average ticket gate is 8,000. Mm. The Dragons will be even lower. So, you know, if you think about the revenue, this isn't a game about profitability or TV deals. This is a game about total revenue. And, you know, Leicester, 19 million turnover last year. Wasps, 31 million. You know, and we think about the Blues, they had 9 million in turnover last year. And apologies, I know we're talking about Newport, but it's symptomatic of the game in Wales. You know, we just don't create enough turnover as, as clubs to cover the wage bill, which by far the biggest cost. You mentioned the TV deal there, though, but there's a massive disparity between the Pro 12 <coughs> TV deal mm-hmm. and the Aviva Prem and, and the Pro 12. So, I mean, that, that will take into account, you know, those revenue figures that you've got for, for the Premiership teams will, you know... A, a large amount of that will still come down to the to the TV deal in you know no small part. I think it's twelve million a season uh, Sky pay for the Pro Twelve. Yeah. I think the Premiership, if I'm right, is around fifty million a season. That's a, you know, it's a huge mm. difference, you know, um, and that's material. But there's, there's a you know it's not all rosy, you know, uh, in England either because many of the tournaments are going to go into next season with no sponsors. Yeah. Uh, this is Aviva's last year of being the Premiership um, sponsor. There's no Six Nations sponsor next year. There's no Anglo-Welsh sponsor as of yet. So whilst the clubs in Rude Health, and some of those clubs are run by benefactors in England, yeah. and only a few make profit, I think possibly Leicester, Northampton, Gloucester, everyone else don't make money. So it's, it's not, you know, it's not in the health but you know, we should, we've all got an interest in growing the game. I think where Wales needs to focus on is how do you get more people through the turnstiles watching regional rugby? I totally agree. And I think if you think about it, Leicester, there's about 300,000 people there. Cardiff's about the same size city. Mm. And Leicester, again, 25,000 average gate. So clearly they're doing something right. They spend more marketing and obviously the product's better. They're in the Champions Cup and they put a better product on the pitch. But, you know... For me, big fan of Moneyball and, you know, the fact that, you know, if we compete with the Yankees in here, we won't win out there. And I think that's the fact for the, for the Welsh regions. You know, if we have a business model which is set up to go like for like with England, we won't win. Yeah. Purely chimney pot. You know, there are more people in England to attract that TV revenue than there are in England, Scotland and Wales. And so we have to think differently. You know, our biggest asset, physical asset, are the grounds. Blues have got a 4G pitch now, which is brilliant. But, you know, how do you sweat the asset 365 days a year? You know, they've got the car park on site, which delivers a huge amount of revenue mm-hmm. for them, the Blues, which is, you know, a sad state of affairs when the car yeah. park's making a lot of your money. But what else can we be doing? Hosting events there, conferences, etc. There's the talk about them having this um, roof on their ground in the future where they can host things in, indoors, concerts, etc. 
But you've got to look to someone like Wasps, who, albeit, yes, they're making a loss at the moment, but they're investing for the future. They've got a casino on site, hotels. Um, they've got a uh, exhibition centre where I think what Dan's favourite, Rihanna's playing in a couple of weeks. Big, big fan of his. Where yeah. are they going to get her in that back line, mate? That's what I want to know. With Curtly Beale and Danny Cipriani, there's no room for Rihanna in there, is there? Proper on the bench. <laughs> I bet you would. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you said something similar uh, off there. It was very distasteful. So, uh, I'm going to leave that. But there. I think, you know, we've got to think of these as businesses and stop asking for handouts. We've got to start thinking how do we create more revenue as the clubs? And you look at Leicester, they make three and a half million quid on match days. I bet if you look at the Blues Dragons uh, numbers, they're not making enough hospitality. No. But surely so much of this is down to the product, isn't it? Because Pro 12 standard of rugby, I mean, Gareth, you've been quite open in saying that it's, it's not something that interests you. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch the highlights yeah. um, where I can, but uh, you know, I've had a massive interest in the Championship because of Cluny Ross in there, yeah. but I, and we were in the Premiership. So I've, you know, and also, yeah, I mean, you know, I like watching the referees in the Premiership because they're, they're very good. Um, so as a, as a product, it's better, definitely. I mean, I think you've obviously you've touched on you've touched on London Welsh there. Someone who's very involved with with the club and has been for. Uh, for a while, I guess there's no bigger example within English rugby of the perils of, of finance, I guess, than, than what's happened with Welsh in, in recent months. Yeah, we had a professional team for 15 years, and you know, I've, I've been a season ticket holder for 15 years since I moved to Richmond. My children have been brought up mm. from, from you know, when they were born to be on the sidelines at London Welsh. It's very, very sad what's happened. We had a benefactor who ploughed money in and very, very generous to do that, you know, you know, millions and millions of pounds of, of his money. So it's the professional side at London Welsh. Um, you know, we didn't. You know, the, the attendances that we had were you know between one and three thousand, depending on the game. The move to Oxford was the right thing at the time. Mm. It didn't work out for them. Uh, came back to Old Deer Park. I loved the fact they came back to Old Deer Park. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely loved it. But you know, we were still paying out you know a lot of money in wages, and yet our income were a third of our expenditure. That's not a business. And once our benefactor decided that he no longer wanted to support that model, we had to look at other models, so we went into liquidation. And the people put their hands up to help London Welsh run a sustainable business moving forward and apply for that licence from the RFU for us to be in the championship. And most of the people who put their hands up were Minnie's parents, people who loved the club, people who you know, helped out you know, in the amateur men, and people just generally loved London Welsh. And um, for reasons I can't divulge, really, is you know, it, whatever we did, it didn't satisfy the RFU requirements. They may have moved the goalposts, mm. whatever it is, and it might have been easier for them to see London Welsh go into liquidation and not be in the championship, but we didn't get the licence and our first team folded. And, and hence the championship this year has 11 uh, teams in it and not London Welsh. Now... London Welsh amateurs have been thriving under the stewardship of Gwyn Williams, our amateur chair. We, you know, our commercial revenues are up. We have some challenges as a club in terms of revenue because our major tenants have now disappeared. So we're looking for, you know, for people to get involved with the amateurs. So any, anyone out there mm. who wants to support London Welsh, come down this Saturday. We've got our first team now, the Druids, are playing their last home game of the season. There's a lunch on for... Supporters, you know, come and see them, and they'll love playing in front of three or four hundred people. But you know, we've really got to try and get London Welsh back from Hart to Middlesex One, where our amateurs play now, through the national leagues. We think that is achievable to get us to the national three by in five or six years' time with the right people on board and the right partners on board. 
and we're determined to get London Welsh back to where we are, but in a sustainable way. And that's the key thing. If I think if we'd have been, if we'd have known pre-season um, what we knew in December, we could have told the players, "See you later." Yeah. And picked picked the the squad on the budget we were given from the RFU, cut our cloth cloth accordingly, and then maybe get relegated to National One or you know fight off between Richmond and who stays in the Championship. Because actually, the Championship is a great product. I loved watching the Championship. You know, we had most of the England squad have played in the Championship. Yeah. The RFU have had it wrong, I think. They could have supported it a lot more. They've put more money into the women's game now than they are in the Championship. I haven't got a problem with that. They should put more into the Championship as well. Yeah. I think they're making so much money out of these internationals. And the, the grassroots rugby, and this, and this is above grassroots rugby, there's so many professional players in the academies of the Premiership clubs who are not playing every week. And they could be playing competitive they, rugby in the championship. Exactly. We had, we had some lone players from Gloucester and Harlequins for those two games we played between Christmas and New Year. We had 1,600 at London Scottish game at Aldi Park, our last game. What an it, it was fantastic. It's, it's a massive hole in my life now, I must admit. No, I can, I can tell that um, from speaking to you, and I think obviously all, all of us would, uh, would echo that sentiment to... To get behind the club, you know, as for as for tough, kind of living in living in exile. I think the key thing you've you've mentioned there to kind of bring it back to to what we started on with with the dragons is that sustainability. Yeah. And um, I think as we've kind of as we've touched upon, you know, Wales kind of sums up the um, the perils of of living kind of beyond your means. And in Wales, you've got a lot of professional. Well, you've got four professional clubs that are in, in danger of doing that at any given time. I agree, but I think, you know, the one thing, I think it's not all doom and gloom. You know, the, the protile as a product, it's definitely getting better. I think the, the movement towards a meritocracy in terms of qualifying for Europe mm. is improving things. I think undoubtedly 4G pitches in a country as wet as Wales are certainly something that's very helpful. And you've seen the games at Samson's, Newcastle and Cardiff play on theirs. They really do bring a faster, more attacking game. I think that'll be one of the things that will have to be addressed will be kind of top of the agenda of things to fix at the Dragons is the pitch and how they sort it out with with County. You know, obviously, if, if County go out of the go out of the football league, that probably makes things um, a bit easier. But that will definitely be one thing that just has to be addressed because you can't play rugby on that. They said they'd be sorting that out. Yeah. Totally agree. And I think the other, the other thing is to move to a full meritocracy in the league. The Italian clubs have embarrassed themselves this year, or Treviso have in the Champions mm. Cup. You'd far rather see. In seventh place in the league, whether it's a Scottish, uh, Welsh, or Irish team, take that position by yep. right, and then obviously you get a better Champions Cup. You give the Italians a proper carrot to improve as clubs, and you also make the league totally competitive on par with the products in England and France. And I think that will encourage better play. But the Italian teams would have, would have more competition in the uh, Challenge Cup. Yeah. You know, yeah mm. So the second cup, isn't it? Yeah. So they would. They'll be playing teams from Russia and things like that, and they, they have you know, more competition rather than being thrashed well, in the Champions yeah. Cup. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's, probably, it's probably better for them, isn't it? Totally. Really. It's a win-win. Yeah. It doesn't help anyone, does it? No, I don't think it does, and, and that's you know something we've kind of debated mm. several uh, several times on here, and there'll be there'll be um, several more things to come. But yeah, changes uh, more than more than likely are the Dragons with the uh, with the WIE taking over. Right, a couple of other things from uh, from elsewhere this week. Um, Eddie Jones, everyone's favourite loudmouth Australian 
has said that the Lions should have four captains. This was uh, this was kind of said earlier on in this week. He reckons that there should be one from each of the home nations, and then you pick the uh, the best captain for the first test according on uh, according on how they played in the tour games. Dan, what do you make of this? I'd like to see him uh, keep quiet for for a little while. He just can't he can't keep his mouth shut, and he? he's got to say something. Um, I don't think we need to do that at all. No, no, no. I think we'll have uh, we'll stick to what we've uh, what we've typically done on the captain side of things. Um, it's going to be, in terms of who is captain, um, it's not it's not easy at all, is it? And almost everyone you speak to has a different a different take on who should be captain. Um, it should and it will be Sam Walton. Has everyone think Sam Walton here? Yes. Yes. Sam Walton then. Oh, okay. I before Welsh fathers saying Sam Walton. Yeah, before far too much was made of this, oh yeah, he's been, uh, he's been unburdened by the captaincy. It's a load of nonsense. He wasn't playing that badly. He was playing in a poor Blues side and playing in a poor Wales side over the autumn. It was, I think it just became a bit unfashionable. So they kind of went, oh yeah, he needs, he needs to be unburdened. He didn't want to lose that captaincy. I don't care what anyone says. No chance. And would he lead the Lions? Yes. Would Gatlin trust him to do so? Yes. And I think it would be the right choice. Oh, let me, you know, Lions captain, two tours running. Who wouldn't want that on their CV? Absolutely. It would be important because of the link-up with, with Gatland as well, wouldn't it? And he's... Uh, He's looked, he's looked every part. The Lions captain, isn't he? Every time we've seen him, uh, seen him in the in the post match interviews, he just he just gets stronger and stronger. I, I think he's found form because he's stayed fit. Mm. You know that's the problem with you know in between the Lions yeah, yeah. tours for for Sam Warburton, he's had a problem with injuries most seasons really, and so not had a consistent game time. He's played I don't know how many minutes. He's played every game in the five in the Six Nations. He's played every game yeah. and every minute. Has he come off at all? I'm not sure he has. I maybe maybe against Italy it might come off for a bit. I'm not sure, but he could have played every minute of every game, right? And that's yeah, great for Sam Warburton, right? Yeah. I think. And I think um, he didn't come no, off in the England game. I'm sure of that much. I remember their back row substitution quite clearly there after 52 yeah. minutes. He's, it you, wasn't Sam. Your Lions captain's got to be a shoe in, isn't he? And he is. He's, he's, he's seven. I just he's, think he is the seven. Out of the other home nations captains, Hartley will be lucky to tour the, the way he's been playing. He's not going. Uh, I think Rory Best has finished the tournament quite strongly, but I've never been the world's biggest Rory Best fan. I think he'll go, but I don't think he's starting. I don't think he's, he's guaranteed the test starter. Yeah, Rory worst on the last tour. He was dreadful. Yeah, he was awful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't. Uh, Certainly couldn't hit his man. Uh, and then, yeah, time, he, seems to, go, so. he seems to go to pop, doesn't he? When the Lions comes around. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and then outside of that, there's no real... You know, Alan Wynne-Jones obviously is, um, has had, a, a, I think, a pretty bad tournament by way of, by way of captaincy. Well, Farrell. I, I know he's a lot of people mention this, but has he, has he mentioned Has he kind of captained that many sides? I think I he's got a huge amount of experience. Most people want a forward to be yeah. uh, uh, captain. I'm currently reading Brian Driscoll's book and he talked about him being captain in the Lions store. And he always felt him, if he had to run and talk to the referee, yeah. he felt the crowd on his back. And if you're a forward, you're near the referee all the time. Yeah. He scrums the line-outs, and you can have a quiet word in the ear. But it was so obvious that O'Driscoll was running 30 yards to speak to the referee. And I think that's why maybe you know a forward's captain can manage a ref better. It'd be a big risk with, with Farrell as well, wouldn't it, having not, you know, not, not captained any sides really at that, at that level. Um, I think he's a, he's a great, great player. But um, you wouldn't pick him above above Warburton, would you, for this? But he's one of only probably two or three players guaranteed to start. And, you know, for mm. me, people talk about his leadership and how strong-willed he is. He's definitely in the mix. For me, my, the only concern I'd have 
is are we putting too much on his shoulders? Because mm. if Harpe doesn't play, he's doing the kicking. He's a fantastic defensive captain as well. And then he's also leading the back line. Do you want him with the added responsibility of doing that? Yeah, he's doing human, isn't he? Yeah, could, he, could he might not be leading it from 12. Mm. Or could be Sexton being from yeah. 10, really. So, mm. I mean, but I think uh, you're right. There's, there aren't many people currently with a shoe-in. Alan Wynn is not shoe-in. No, far uh, from I mean, that's why, you know, he, he's, he's probably had a, an OK Six Nations, nothing more than that. I just think Warburton has delivered for Wales uh, consistently at the Six Nations, delivered for the Lions. Uh, he's not uh, the most... Um, uh, elegance of speakers in terms of like you know geeing everyone up, but I think everyone when he does speak is very measured, and I think he speaks very well. Yeah. I think like, you, we mentioned the the kind of living with the lions style DVDs that we all kind of enjoy, especially after kind of getting home after having watched a few games and a few beers on a on a Saturday. But you watch Sam Warburton on the the last one, and. <clears throat> You know, the guy in the press conferences is just in awe of the other big leaders and saying, you know, this it's not just me. I've got Paul O'Connell with me. I've got Brian O'Driscoll. But then you see him in the dressing room moments before he's about to, to lead a side out and you can see why people want to follow him into battle. He sets the standard, doesn't he? I think so. Um, going back to Eddie Jones thing, it's, yeah. just, it's just, you know, he's speaking at, a co- at some sort of advertising conference in town. You don't know that what the question was. It's a loaded question. Mm. Uh, a bit of airtime for... Yeah. I think it was ESPN, so more airtime for ESPN now from us. But to be honest with you, you know, that's a lot of bullshit. You know, it's, yeah. it's never going to happen. You, yeah. If you asked him the question now as well, he, he probably couldn't remember what he said. He, he answers when he, he answers things totally different depending on what day it is. Um, he plays, he plays the media view, yeah, you know, doesn't he? Because oh, yeah. again, they they're just they've I've said it before. They've got it's this kind of fun. It's like it was with Jose Mourinho in football ten years ago. Whatever he says will make a headline, and it's exactly the same for Eddie Jones within rugby now and. He doesn't mean that at all, does he? I don't think. We would love it if he was our coach. Of course we would. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think we would, and um, yeah, we'd probably be defending him, uh, defending oh, yeah, him yeah. kind of completely blindly. I think it helps him being Australian, though. Mm-hmm. You know, if an English yeah. person, an English coach, spoke like he did at times, oh, he's arrogant or something, because he's Australian, you can get away with it. It's anything. not in our nature, is it? If, he, if, if, if he's yours, you love him. Mm-hmm. All right, let's bring things uh, back to the domestic league now, which is it's always strange, isn't it, when the yeah, because you have the domestic fixtures running side by side at, at certain mm-hmm. points, and then you've got the Anglo-Welsh alongside it. But Pro 12 kind of takes um, takes centre stage again this weekend. So we're going to have a look at some of the games we've got coming up. So starting with uh, Friday night, and it's Scarlets versus Edinburgh. Dav, what do you uh, what do you think ahead of this one? Well, I think the Scarlets boys are carrying a couple of knocks, aren't they? I think uh, Scott Williams is definitely out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rob Evans, I think, potentially is out. So it's, uh, you know, Edinburgh. They've lost twice. Rob Evans would only need to play 20 minutes and he'd have played two games <laughs> yeah. if you take into account the... Uh... Very, very fair. And I think, um, you know, Edinburgh, they ran the Blues, I think the Ospreys close during the uh, yeah. during the Six Nations. I think fully uh, fit Scarlets would patch your back. You know, OK, they carried a couple of injuries, but I see that being potentially a five-pointer for them. Excited mm. to see patch your back? Always. Gutty left the Blues. Yeah. yeah. What do you what do you make? I mean, I've, I've had my say on this plenty of times. Um... I know a lot of Blues fans who really like Gareth Anscombe and think he gets the backs ticking, but surely Patchell went because of he saw there was no route for him playing turn with, with Anscombe there. Well, firstly, you know, there's a reason the Kiwis let Anscombe leave New Zealand. Is If he was of the highest order, would he mm. have stayed? Um, for me, I think Patchell, he's a bigger man, he's got a bigger boot, he's more physical, and Anscombe's lovely when it's dry, and he'd probably mm. be fantastic down in Montpellier or Toulon. 
But for me, uh, I wish we'd kept a kept patch in a Anscombe and moved on. Interesting, but yeah, and I think that'll be a big boost for for the Scarlets seeing patch will come back at this kind of crucial time of the season where we've seen, you know we saw them last year absolutely nosedive from here on in and they've played so well this season that it's imperative they kind of they keep on and and can cement a playoff spot and and kind of go on and and do something different uh, sorry do something special in there the thing we've said that's been different this year Dan is they seem to have had to have brought through some youngsters who seem to be more than capable of, of going toe to toe with the regulars yeah definitely and Ryan Elias isn't he? he's, uh, he's a listener I think isn't he he certainly follows on Twitter. I'm not sure if he's a listener. If he, if he does, leave a review, mate. That'll help us out massively. <laughs> yeah, we didn't need to drop that last bit in. He was definitely a listener. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, they've got, they've, got a, they've got a lot of youngsters that have stepped up, haven't they? And we, we said at the start, they t- massively turned around their season, haven't they? Um, and they've just gone from strength to strength. A lot of that's got to go to the, the coaching staff as well. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how Stephen Jones does with Wales. I think he'll, I think he'll, do, he'll do very, very well. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see... Excited to see Patchell, uh, Patchell back. He'll be. It's a, he's another. Fight, he's a fine ten. He's a different type of, of, of threat from him, and it'll be uh, interesting to see whether he makes that uh, that tour now. Worth for Dan Jones during that time though as well, because he's, he's, he's matured really well as a player. Thrown in at the deep end in that game against Saracens, oh, he, he's he's really has played very very well. He's in magnificent, that time. Yeah. isn't he? Um, stepping in, he's got a really good kicking game. Um, Parsons game strong. I'd say he's a li- you know if you're going to be cr- if you're going to be hypercritical, he's a little bit limited, isn't he, in in certain certain facets. But yeah, he's done a great job. But he'll step aside now. Yeah, and I think you're I think you're probably right. If Patchell's fit, he will will kind of step back into being the first choice. What are you saying in that game then? Scarlet's going to get the win. Yeah, Scarlet's Scarlet's W. Yeah, I think I think Scarlet's going to nick that one. I just think with um, yeah, with the the way that they've they've gone this season, I think they've. They're a team we're playing with much more confidence than they were this time 12 months ago. So I think they'll get that one. Then it's the big one at Rodney Parade. Dragons versus Ulster. Uh, you know, so much to play for for the Dragons now. <laughs> yeah, that's not not an easy game, that, is it? Dreadful. No. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I think I'll they'll be... They'll all be, you know, they'll all be wanting to prove a point, won't they? And uh, I think it's going to be too much for them, personally. Um, yeah, that, Ulster, that Ulster squad is so deep, even when... You know, even when they've had internationals away, it's just it's a pretty scary side at the best of times. So I really I, might be worth putting a couple of pounds on. I don't think there's any value in that whatsoever, mate. I think you'd have to put on tens of thousands of pounds. Leave, well, he's got that. I leave the I leave the leave, <laughs> leave the bet into you. Then I'm talking about. Yeah, that. well, I, I, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be advising kind of banking it all on Ulster there because you have to put on an awful lot to get your money back. But there we go. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a huge amount. You know, and again, we've you talked about. There being um, you know, kind of competition in the league being a meritocracy, there's just there's nothing for dragons to play for other than pride at the moment. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going, yeah. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to throw it out there. Dragons win. Look, mate, if you want to make some money this weekend, then you I strongly suggest you put it on a dragons win because yeah, that's where you that's where you get decent odds. So yeah, I'd love to love to think that you're right. Uh, Dave, you're a Blues fan. I'd start before we kind of get a, a preview of the Leinster game from you. What have you made of Cardiff Blues this season? It's been a bit of a roller coaster, isn't it? You know, we started so promisingly as we tend to do, and then the weather uh, changed. It became a bit more of a forwards game, and our lack of quality in our Type Five has really mm. come to the fore. Um, we seem to have a plethora of black back row players, and you know, we seem to have signed quite a few decent outside backs. But uh, you know, 
are our type five up to it. They're aging. We bought two more old locks for next year, and you know now it's getting drier. Maybe fortunes will improve, but again, it's been another year of false storms. Do you think? Yeah, it's just been that front five has been a bit too lightweight. A couple of converted back rowers playing in there. You know, Turnbull's done a has done a shift, but I, I wouldn't suggest that he's a he's a he's a lock by yeah. trade. You know. I think, you know, even look at the, some of the signs he made on emergency. We've got a Georgian who refuses to stay on the pitch for 10 minutes. Um, as any good Georgian should. As any good. The Scott Andrews project to hooker seems to have fallen away and now he's a tight head again. Obviously a renowned scrummager. Um, and then we've got Tal Felice, which fair play to him. He should be picking his pension up by now. Yeah, and he's still it's going. It's incredible. But, you know, that's the area for me that really has shone through as our biggest weakness this year. What, what do you make of Danny Wilson? I think Danny's like he talks a good game. He seems to have been a very strong coach, but I'm not sure if he's hampered by the fact we haven't got much money to throw around in terms mm. of signings. But when we had to look at the start of the season, I was very optimistic about him. He's you know a measured guy. You know the people seem to talk highly of him, but it's a results game, and he hasn't delivered this year. Or is it a budget game? Budget bit game. Of both, yeah, bit so. of both, probably. Okay. Do you think some of the signings though he's made? If, if he'd made different signings, it would have helped the Blues because. You've got to you've got to sort out that, have to sort out the front five, and he brought in he's brought in players that haven't he didn't bring him in quick enough, did he? Yeah, potentially, but you know it's not necessarily as well. We've got Billy Millard, who's the uh, sort of director of rugby type roles, meant to be doing the scouting. Mm-hmm. You look at the Scarlets; they seem to be finding a guy who's got a Welsh grandfather over in Australia. You know, they do a fantastic mm-hmm. scouting job on the budget they've got. The Blues just well, the guy, but the guy Byrne in the second row has been a revelation for them. You he's... look at the Blues; they seem to buy either big hype low performance height has been dreadful in mm. the second row he's had one all black cap and that's it you know he's not he's not decent and so we really need to rethink how we're recruiting going forward that in mind then what about uh, what about this game against Leinster five points to Leinster let's move on ok oh, I can actually see a little bit more on that I, I don't know if I could see Leinster at home kind of um, oh sorry I, I mean we'll... five bonus points oh yeah, five, right, yeah, sorry yeah yeah, yeah. no I think um, yeah. yeah I think you're absolutely right uh, won't dwell on this one for too long. Chorizo versus the Ospreys. Anything to add to that? <laughs> no, no. You know what I'm going to say there. Go on, where are you going to... I mean, you've, you've backed Dragons to beat Ulster. Yeah, Chorizo <laughs> win. Yeah. And you'll have one pound on that. <laughs> yeah, Ospreys will, uh, will romp home. Yeah, I think as you mentioned earlier, you know, kind of obviously there'll be, there'll be a fair amount of squad rotation given the amount of Ospreys that have been involved with Wales and Alan jones being out, but I don't think that's going to make much of a difference. I'm looking forward to watch to, to this weekend actually getting back to the, the club scene. It feels less pressure though, doesn't it? Like you know, I don't go into it with the, the anticipation and the the kind of almost the burden that the internationals brings. Yeah, it's just different. They're not always the finest of games, but I do I do enjoy them. Indeed. Right, we always like to finish on a bit of transfer news, uh, of which there's been very little this week. Uh, I guess the the only real transfer of note at the time we record this is is Mark Jones, a guy who's been in exile for uh, for a couple of years. Was at Sale down at Bristol. He's now gone back to Sale for his for his second stint, which is a you know largely unremarkable signing. But have you spotted something by way of uh, transfer news at Sale that, that's definitely worth a merit? Yeah, just an interesting one. This guy George Knott, um, he's at Sale. He's come through their academy, but they've locked him in on a five year deal. Now the Sale Academy has been prolific over the last couple of years of producing talent. You know, a lot of the guys at Wasps came through there, whether it's Tommy Taylor. Gaskell, you know, Cliff going back from mm. Bristol with Mark Jones. He's a Sale Academy product. So they've suffered recently from those two, three-year deals and the players going off down south for more money or whatever. 
And so to sign someone in for five years, I mean, it shows their intent to stop that happening. Really interesting. It does, but I mean, a massive, massive risk, surely. I mean, you've been talking about affordability and things like that. A five-year contract's almost unheard of, Gareth, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. But I mean, academy player, I'm not sure what their earning potential is. So mm. I mean, probably game-based bonuses and that sort of thing. But yeah, it is right, it's a, it's a huge investment. They've got some money now because they have money reserved for George Ford and he's not going there. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see because they've, they've had it in different seasons, Sale. So I think... Um, yeah, I think they'll they need to spend spend some money to, to try and get them into a top six for the following year. They don't they also only be offering these uh, these lengthy contracts to the boys that they're they're almost a shoe in for you know to be very, very good. So probably if there's any doubt at all they wouldn't they wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, no, it's really a really interesting one there. I think you know, I don't think that obviously in Wales we have a very similar problem mm-hmm. that you have a lot of young players come through and then will then you know, we've seen it numerous times. We'll then go off into to England or France to to pick up a bigger paycheck. Yeah, well, and it's hard to hang on to them. Well, they don't play for Wales, then, do they? That's the thing. Well, don't they? I mean, it's just the, the Gatlin's law thing has been so vague. Let's change it then. Just, they can't play for Wales. That should be the that should be the count for them. You want to play for your country. You're Welsh. We need to keep all our best players in Wales. And no matter how we do that, whether it's like you get after fifty caps, like the Australian model, you can then go and play abroad, earn your money, that sort of thing. If you're Welsh. Play for the regions, and you get a contract that way. Is it as simple as that? Oh, I'd like it to be. Yeah, yeah. Dan. Yeah, well, for for now, for now. Let's uh, we can we can have a have another top. We can have another. Yeah, I, I, I think we could. Um, I mean, I, I suppose there's a lot the, to be said on it. Playing devil's advocate, we all know the the pressure that it comes with being head coach of Wales. Well, no, we don't all know it firsthand, but you know, we talk about <laughs> it enough. Daft. Yeah, <laughs> five minutes earlier we did. <laughs> and um, but I, you know, I do think if there was to start to be, um, you know, whenever they go on a bad run and there's a few players playing outside that you're not picking due to residency rules, you know, you saw England during the World Cup and the the kind of the call there was for Stefan Armitage to come and play at seven, even though he's playing outside the country, and that's with the player base that England have got. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a really kind of. I guess it's a scenario that you'd love to see and it'd be really easy to go, OK, right, we want them playing. I just, I, I think if it was as clear-cut as that, it would have happened by now. Well, the best team in the world have done it for years, haven't they? And yes, they've got a great pipeline of talent in New Zealand, but they've stuck to it and they're resourceful, aren't they? You know, people move on. Who would have thought they could replace Nonu and Smith? They had a slow start against Wales last year and still went on to win the championship. So it does work. Look at South Africa. Mm-hmm. To prove that point, yeah. right? 350 players playing outside South Africa, they're a shambles at the yeah. moment, and so are their, um, I don't know what you call their local team, the regional teams, but yeah. you know, it, it's super, super 18 teams, isn't it? Wasn't it? It's, it's, um, they're, they're in poor shape, and I think if they had a better rule that those players who've gone abroad cannot play for South Africa, you see them coming back. Yeah, and I think the, the super 18 thing kind of leads us right the way back to our starting topic, which was sustainability, because again, you've seen the the quality of that the quality of that league just be diluted and turned into something mad that it's very very hard to follow and understand who goes through at any one point. And on that seamless segue, that brings us to the end of, of this week's attacking scrum podcast. So, uh, big thanks to our guests this week. Thanks, Dad, for joining us. Pleasure, Gareth. Thanks for coming back on and winning your second cap. Loved it. And Dan, as always, mate. What a, what a pleasure to uh, to share the studio with you. It's nice to have a little bit of a rest this evening. <laughs> Can you come on again, boys? <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, as always, let us know what you think at Attacking Scrum or on Facebook. 
Uh, just search for Attacking Scrum and leave us a review on iTunes. And if you do so, we will give you a shout out next week. Thanks for listening and we'll speak to you soon. Podcast Network.